For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Good afternoon or good night, however and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to kick off draft week a little bit early here on a Friday. It is a Stripe Hype Friday, a segment that back during the pandemic we used to have every week, but now just by circumstance of the week, it's a Stripe Hype Friday. And Stripe Hype Cincy is back. Blake Jude, NFL draft expert, he is great at scouting as we find out right off the bat here. If you're listening and you see the description in the episode, we're going to talk about prospects you have never heard of because we are using his expertise to a T where he can just name Random ass sixth round prospects off the top of his head, position, school. It's ridiculous how good he is at remembering these prospects and giving you analysis off the top of his head. It's unbelievable how good he is at this. So he's completed 255 grades. So we're going to use every ounce of that knowledge and maybe find ourselves some long term people that we're rooting for and people that the show is adopting, like Kendrick Green, the offensive lineman from Illinois. I think that's his name. I hope I got his name right. But we adapt some long-term friends of the show. Maybe we'll uh, celebrate them on draft day. But in the meantime, Stripe Hype and I talk about those prospects, play some prospect or no prospect. We have a really fun time, talk Broncos, all kinds of fun stuff. Support for the Take It Easy podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and today we have an exclusive offer for our listeners. 20% off, plus free shipping, when you use the code TIE, that's T-I-E, at manscaped.com. Manscaped hooked me up with a bunch of tools and formulations from their Perfect Package 3.0 kit, including the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawn Mower 3.0. 
Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TIE, T-I-E, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code TIE. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. What's going on? Welcome to Draft Week. It has been a very long week for me. <laughs> yes, I am I'm super excited though. I'm super excited. Uh, it's draft week. Welcome in to draft week, ladies and gentlemen who are listening here. We got Blake Jude here. He's our NFL draft expert. You can check him out at Stripe Hype Cincy, BengalsInsider.com. But I mean, at this point, one of the big things is this podcast, I suppose. We've been doing this for 70 episodes deep now. <laughs> really? Is that it? Wow. It's about I mean, that's a lot. ballparking it, ballparking it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it would surprise me if we were closer to around 80 or 90, maybe. I thought we were getting up to the 100 mark, but I don't know. It feels like we've been we've been a lot, but at the same time, I guess it's just once a week. So Draft Week yeah. boosts those numbers a little bit because uh, we, we get a couple podcasts in during Draft Week. <laughs> <laughs> yep, for sure. And uh, I don't know if you've already seen my story or not, but you want to guess how many uh, players I have scouted this year? <laughs> Let's see how many players. I'm going to go hmm, – how many total would that be? 200-something. I'm going to go 150. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's a lot more. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it's been a long season. <laughs> 250. 255. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. You can just give me a player, and I'll give you my grade for him. I have them all listed down right now, all finished up. I, I've spent all day today, actually, compiling all the grades and putting them together in one list. And I am posting uh, – I posted my top 50 yesterday. I'm going to post 50 to 100 today, uh, and then I'm going to do the rest uh, consecutively up until draft week's up. So um, I'm pretty excited. It was a, a long process. Um, for those who don't know already, I – well, I, my routine is I, I scout three to four players at least uh, every night before I, you know, I go to bed. It's like kind of my, my thing I've been doing for a long time, um, especially started doing it this year. Um, and, you know, I have my I have my computer, my notebook and everything like that. And I'll try to go through usually about two films is what I try to do. I try to go through at least two games, uh, you know, compressed games uh, where I can, you know, accurately see what the player does and. Uh, and I try to compile them because, you know, as a single scouter, it's hard to get that many prospects done while actually watching, you know, a lot more film is kind of impossible at that point. So I try to stick to two normally. Uh, and I, I have grades for, uh, 255 players now. Okay. Wild. We're going to play. We're, we're just going to go right in this. We're playing prospect or no prospect. I have to, I have to do this. I have to see if I can sneak these by you because 255 is just lunacy. That's just insane but it's dedication it's ridiculous dedication so <laughs> we can go back and look at some of these years from now so we're we're doing prospect or no prospect here the game the rule of the game is simple i'm going to give names and try and sneak them past our draft expert who has committed hundreds of hours of his time to this craft and i'm just about to shit on it for about 15 minutes and <laughs> do my best to all righty get throw them at all me right. Right? Am, I, am i gonna do it back to you or are we just gonna do it to me do you have names? Because it's fun. Well, you can throw them back to me if you have names too. Because I am, uh, I'm gonna have no chance. It's just gonna be funny how bad I'm gonna be at it. 
I'm gonna have uh, no chance tough, in this. It'd be tough for me to make up a fake name, but I guess I can like maybe I can think of like past NFL players, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Or just change some of the names. And uh, the first name I have here, for example, there's a prospect named Trey Hill. Well, I can just throw out Josh Hill, the former tight end of the Saints. It'd be okay. like Josh Hill. No, but there's a prospect named Trey Hill, according to this right. random list of prospects I have here. Yep. So Georgia. Jesus Christ, what the? <laughs> what? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll tell you my grade form real quick. Hold on. I gotta find it. It's down here. I mean, I've, I've scouted all these guys. So I mean, after a while, you get a little, you get a little used to it. Jesus it's, Christ! <laughs> just <laughs> you get those some names out. Hold on, I gotta find him. He's, I actually kind of liked uh, Trey Hill. Hold on. I got he's ranked one fifty two on my board, seventy five point four grade. That's what I have for him right now. Jesus. So pretty solid prospect. Not bad. Not bad. But yeah, no, no. Just give, give me one. I'll, I'll try to see if I can get it. All right, uh, Isaiah McDuffie, prospect or no prospect? Prospect, linebacker, Boston College. What the? Okay, I got no shot. I got <laughs> no shot here. If you can just do that off the top of your head, I've got no shot in this game. Uh, you, we got we got to go way down the list. <laughs> maybe, yeah, it's probably what's gonna be because I mean I haven't scouted like an entire draft full. I, I think according to uh, TDN, I have scouted five rounds full of players and then like five players in the sixth round so there's gonna be still like a whole entire round and a half of guys i've never scouted before so that, I, I can probably get some of those guys wrong but yeah there definitely are you know a, a good portion i'm confident last year i didn't there's two prospects or i think there's one prospect they didn't get in round three that was uh, michael oj mudia who got drafted to the broncos at cornerback from iowa and this year i'm trying to make it a challenge to where i get every prospect in the first four rounds that's what i'm hoping for we'll see if that works out i doubt it Never really works out that way, but we'll we'll see. All right, let's try Adrian Patterson. Uh, not a prospect. Jarrett Patterson is a running back for Buffalo. I remember him because he had that epic, crazy stat line where he had 400 rushing yards and eight touchdowns in a game. It was one of the stupidest things I've ever seen on a stat line. Yeah, he. I mean, there's a lot of. Um, tools he needs to continue to develop but man if he gets going he can be great okay how about brandon smith wide receiver iowa he's a what jesus christ (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) this is just this is just ridiculous when i say this is my life it really is this is what i do (laughs) for people who don't know i just have the cbs list up this dude's like prospect 267 that's just stupid (laughs) Yeah, um, I have Kevin oh. Scott as well, I believe. I think he's uh, a little bit down on my list, though. Not bad. All right, how about Avery Williamson? Well, he's a linebacker in the NFL, so no, no not a prospect. There isn't. There isn't Avery Williams. That was where I was going with that. Oh, oh okay. Well, I, oh, okay. I was. I didn't know it in Avery Williams. I haven't scouted him, but I know Avery Williamson is a. He played for Kentucky back in the day, so. Damn, I maybe could have snuck that one by. You, you might have been able to. Maybe. How about Patrick Johnson? Yes, uh, edge rusher from Tulane, I think. Right? Jesus Christ. Yep. Yeah, just ridiculous. Like you, five for five. I'm, I don't think I'm going to get any of these. Like, <laughs> this is just stupid. Ugh. This, oh I've, I've, to be fair, this is also very fresh for me because I just finished transferring all my grades over to making a total ranking. So I went through all these players again today since like 7 a.m. Woke up at 7 a.m. I've been doing it pretty much the entire day. 
So by the way, it's eight o'clock where he is right now. It's eight right. o'clock where he yeah. is. This has been quite literally like I I had to stop in the middle of finishing it to to join the podcast, and I'm probably gonna. Oh my god, tonight. this is craziness. Okay, we're not dude. We're not using your time very well right now. <laughs> no, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. That was fun. It's cool. Okay, how about Austin Adams? No, but there's a there's a Jonathan Adams, I believe, who plays for uh, New Mexico State. I don't think out of Arkansas State. Arkansas State. <laughs> State. All victories. Uh, oh my gosh. Go. Yeah. There's also an Austin Watkins too. So that's close. No, not a bad one. That's just yeah. That was just ridiculous. Okay, let's go deep down the list here and see if we can get somebody. There's got to be. There's got to be one guy that I'm gonna forget. There's. How about Jason White? I've never heard of a Jason White, so I'll say no. Yeah, you're right. There's a quarterback <laughs> named Brady White. Yep. Yeah, no Brady White. I don't have him scouted, though, but I, I know him. Yeah, he's way down in this list. This thing goes forever. Yeah, uh, there, you know, this year there are – I think in the previous years there were up to 2,000 pro, like prospects who entered the nfl draft this year it's the smallest we've had in a long time only about 600 people have actually put their name into the nfl draft which you know to be honest it's still only going to be like 300 players on nfl teams but to imagine like how but make of a difference that is i mean that's really helped a lot of other people's chances i guess it's because during the pro days and stuff all of the covid uh, outbreak due to the covid outbreak a lot of these players aren't able or a lot of the outside athletes aren't able to come in and actually test and try to enter themselves into the draft. So they're probably going to try to wait until next year. So that's a big reason why it's been uh, short, shortened down a bunch this season. And, you know, a lot of these guys are going to be, you know, probably going to be picked up or drafted eventually. So, I mean, I, I've scouted, you know, thinking about now, I've scouted over one-third of the prospects that have declared for this draft, which is insane to imagine. <laughs> that is not, that is well, now this is a fun game of, like, players who end up becoming NFL stars who you didn't scout. Like, I'm guessing you probably didn't scout James Robinson? Um, No, I did not. Last year, no, I did not. Yeah, so that's kind of a fun game to just see who becomes a star that you didn't scout. Did, did not scout Philip Lindsay either. So it's uh, two guys I did not scout and that end up becoming beasts in the draft. Yeah, so we'll see. I, I do have a couple predictions of who I think can be the next, uh, the next Philip Lindsay or the next uh, James Robinson. Let's uh, throw it out there so we can adopt them on the podcast. Elijah Mitchell. I, I, he might be drafted a little bit higher though, and I don't want to like. I, actually, well, he you know, might be drafted. Period. Because yeah, those other two were undrafted. That's a good point. Here, here's a player that I think might not be drafted that I still like a lot. Uh, Larry Roundtree from Missouri. If he does not get drafted, he could be a guy I could see coming out of nowhere and being a really big-time prospect. He currently ranks as 234th on my board right now out of 255 plays. He's a, he's a little low, but uh, that's a guy that I think has a lot of potential. He played on a you know a pretty poor <laughs> Missouri offense, right? And But he was a long-time starter for that team, played for quite a long time. I like his vision. He's a lot of potential. Um, has enough athleticism to be good. I can see him breaking out like James Robinson did because – both of the players were longtime starters. That's something you look at a running for a running back. Someone that is, you know, immediately brought up to be a leader on the team could be a day one starter. Can come in and and be an effective player. And uh, I, I can see Roundtree bring another one of those guys. Elijah Mitchell is one of my favorite names in the draft, um, just in general as a prospect. Um, watched his senior bowl during the senior bowl and i mean he stood out everywhere i really enjoyed watching him from louisiana uh, lafayette he was a very very fun prospect he's a lot higher on my board so i don't want to actually throw him out there he still might be drafted later in the draft like maybe day 
late day three, like round six, round seven. But you know, at the same time, that's going to be end up he's still going to probably get drafted in my eyes. So if okay, not, let's see if we can do it this way. How about what can you tell me about Matt Bushman? Well, <laughs> I don't have him scouted. So. Oh, okay. I finally got one. <laughs> I finally you. got one. <laughs> yeah. He is a tight end from BYU, it looks like. How about Teron Jackson? Can you give me anything on Teron Jackson? Ter- yeah, Teron Jackson. Uh, he's a edge rusher, I believe, for Coastal Carolina. Um, I have him graded. Let me see if I can find his grade on my book. You are uh, correct, which is just stupid crazy enough. <laughs> yeah, well, he visited the Bengals, too. So that's a guy that I was made aware of pretty early on in the draft process. Uh, I scouted him that same day that I heard about him. He's he ranks 149th on my board right now, actually, right ahead of Isaiah McDuffie, the guy we mentioned earlier. Uh, both of them have a 75.5 grade right now. Uh, as far as what I know for for Taron Jackson, he's he's still a pretty raw player. He plays under a very, very talented Coastal Carolina defense, though. Uh, and he was able to generate a lot of pressure off the edge. Cincinnati would probably really like him coming off the edge in that, uh, you know, that third down package. Uh, where he can come and rush the passer straight up. Uh, I do think there is probably some issues when it comes to run stopping, but I, I really like his block shot off the edge, and I think he can be a pretty talented pass rusher at the next level. What can you tell me about Benjamin St. Juice? I, you know what? I love Benjamin St. Juice. He's a very, very talented physical corner who would love to play in press for Minnesota. Uh, I, I really enjoyed watching him uh, just go up and try to, you know, one-on-one, just try to out-physical players. He's a, you know, a pretty big dude. Uh, if I could find his height here. Um, he is, hold on. Sorry, I got to go back to six foot three, 210 pounds. So he's a big corner, you know, one of the bigger size guys. He's very physical, like I said earlier. Uh, I really like him kind of running in that, um, you know, that press man uh, kind of, of coverage in, in my eyes. I mean, it's where he's probably best at. Uh, I kind of I really like him going to a team like the Cowboys where I think he can match up really, really well. Um, you know, of course, Dallas needs more than one corner. This draft is probably going to get Sertan or J.C. Horn round one. I would love to see them try to go after a guy like Benjamin St. Juice later on, maybe round three or four. Um, he's a guy I really like for his physicality uh, and can be a, also a very, very good player in the red zone. Uh, I also like his tackling. I think he has some pretty good potential with tackling too. So he's a pretty complete corner. I think he needs to work on. I think he can beat, get beat deep pretty easily, which is always a big risk for big physical corners. Uh, and I think that um, you know there are some issues with uh, you know setting your hips in the right direction. Sometimes you get a little uh, bent with your hips in the wrong direction if a player breaks their route really quickly. You get a little lost. Uh, that can be another issue for him. But I, I still really like Benjamin St. Juice as well. He's a guy that uh, I scouted about. It's a little less than a month ago, I would say. Uh, I, I scouted him with, I believe, Kairi's Tonga, uh, a defensive tackle. Uh, and uh, I really enjoyed watching his film, too. He was a very, very fun uh, deep tackle prospect. That was, that was a good day of, of watching film. But uh, St. Juice is a pretty exciting prospect, for sure. Yeah, I need to start writing some of these names down so that we remember them. This is one that I just came across, and he's obviously a well-known name if you follow college football. But I thought he was going to be a first-round pick going into last season. What about Chuba? Oh, sorry. I was going to guess Chuba Hubbard, too. Yeah, Chuba (laughs) Hubbard. Yeah. Yeah. What about Chuba? (laughs) He's fallen off a lot of draft boards lately. Um, The the main question for him is – his, you know, his 2020 season was not nearly as impressive as what it was before. He never, he didn't really have his 2000 yard season again. And a lot of people are worried that that's going to be something that, uh, you know, that, that kind of shows like his, um, I guess his, uh, you know, ins- I, don't, I don't know what to call it. He, he Is he able to maintain this momentum that he had last year? That's a big question. Yeah. It's similar to like what happened to AJ Dillon. 
Yeah, very similar. Uh, can you can you maintain that uh, type of hype and, and the overall play? And uh, ironically, he also is right next to Isaiah McDuffie and Taryn Jackson on my board, uh, sitting at 75.4, 151st overall. Uh, I, I think that he's when it comes to his vision and overall athleticism, I think he's very, very good. Um, you know, there is a big question on whether or not the defenses he played against the next level were elite enough to uh, really, you know, <clears throat> prove that he is what he is uh you know it could just been he got a really good draw of teams that year and had a great season and the next you know this of course this upcoming season it was a lot tougher of, of scheduling uh and it was a lot tougher for him to overall get um adjusted to it but i really like him you know playing in a, in a good scheme where he can uh, continue to run the ball inside you know power zone zones you know any kind of zone scheme i think would be pretty nice for him i think he has a lot of potential also uh, so he's the next niner guy he's the next 49ers great running back <laughs> he could possibly be i think there's a lot of different places he can go uh, at the next level uh, he can i mean I, honestly i think for I think for Chuba, he could probably be flexible in different um, different levels of, of the run game. You know, he can he can play in the zone schemes. He can also play in the gap power schemes if he wanted to. But I, I would think that you know, in my eyes, Chuba is more of an elusive back in the in the backfield who's wanting to get you know out in the open field and make break tackles and be able to get past guys with his athleticism and, and that skill and vision overall. So uh, I, you know, I, I like Chuba. Um, he's a guy that. I feel like it's, it's pretty risky now. Uh, you're hoping that that last year wasn't a fluke. You're hoping that maybe he can come back to that form. Um, and, of course, you know, guys like Jared Patterson, you're going to have that same problem, that same question next to his name. But, you know, if he's anything like his 2019 form, he could easily be one of the t- best backs in this uh, this draft for sure. All right, now I just got to ask this name. What about Wap Filior? <laughs> yeah, Wap Filer. Um, yeah. Filer. That's better than Filior. Indiana, I believe. Um wasn't a huge fan of him overall. Uh, well, actually, hold on. Is, is he from Indiana? Like, yeah, that's the guy. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll, I get him and another guy, Simi Fehoko, mixed up a little bit. Uh, very <laughs> confusing names. But, uh, yeah, I, I was a little worried about his drops. Uh, dropped a lot of passes. But, you know, when it, when it comes to being able to get open, I thought he was very, very good. Uh, he was able to get open a lot. And there was always that big question of whether or not his you know quarterbacks were um, – overall good enough to be able to pass him the ball uh, at a high level uh i, I can't remember exact, his exact height but i i believe that he was a uh yeah he's five foot eleven played a lot in the slot at the next at this level and he's got a good amount of speed on him as well so if he can uh you know end up being a, a pretty good you know slot deep threat in the future i think that might be pretty good but he definitely needs to get the kind of get the um the, the drops down a little bit think of a guy like nelson Aguilar to a certain extent uh i don't think he's gonna be as good as Aguilar by any means he's really low on my draft board uh sits at 221 right now with a 70.1 grade he's gonna be a guy that i think needs to uh, definitely worry about you know ironing out the the technical skills of a wide receiver position at the next level if he wants to be a regular occurring wide receiver core member okay what can you tell me about kendrick green yeah, a center from Illinois. Uh, love him a lot. Uh, very, very good zone-blocking uh, center. He's an extremely good athlete. Dude is crazy, crazy athletic. Really kind of reminds me of, uh, um, you know, guys like Samuel Cosme at the, at the off the tackle position. Just, I mean, has everything you want, you know, in, in a puller. A guy that can, you know, get outside and or get to the next level and, and make important key blocks for your running back to get to the next level. Uh, he's a guy that I've been mocking to the Bengals a lot at, in round four. And I believe I have a third-dog grade on, my, on him right now. He's a guy that 
Um, I think with his athleticism, he's not the strongest guy in the world, but you don't really expect a center to be very, very strong. They're usually the last member of the group, and he would be for a lot of offenses. He's not the biggest guy uh, whatsoever, but with his athleticism, able to get to the next level, uh, make key blocks against linebackers and, and safeties at the next level, I think that he's a guy that kind of creates that big playability for your run game. And so for any team that runs primarily, especially a team like the Ravens, I think would really, really love him. Um, though the Ravens don't really tend to get the smaller guys, I think that if they got a guy like Kendrick Green who can get out and, and make blocks at the next level, letting a guy like Mar Jackson make some more moves and get two touchdowns, I think that would be, you know, a very, very good addition to their team for sure. Holy shit, this is just unbelievable analysis that you can just pull a fourth round grade just like that, or a third round grade and just be like, yeah, here's all of this that I believe on this guy. That's just Kendrick, yeah. Kendrick unbelievable. Green, overall, 80.8 <laughs> grades, sorry. Whew, that is ridiculous. I, I want to keep doing this because, it, like, we've just drilled Kyle Pitts and we've drilled AJ, like, or not AJ Green, Jamar Chase. I guess I'm comparing him to AJ Green because it looks like he's going to end up on the Bengals. <laughs> but we've buried those into the ground and we'll bury him into the ground next week. Let's keep playing with Sage Surratt. Okay. Sage Surratt's a guy that had a lot of pre draft hype. Uh, I saw him as a guy that was like being mocked in the second or third rounds the next level. Uh, and again, another guy that I'm, I'm not sure if he, if he either, I, I don't know if he played this year or if he had a very, very poor year. I watched his 2019 film and it looked a lot better uh, than what I believe what his previous films were. Um, and, and usually what I try to do whenever I watch a prospect for those who don't already know, um, I'll usually try to go to uh, either a draft site or someone else uh, that has, watch the films and they'll have usually a best film and a worst film. And I'll try to compare the both because I'll, I don't want to see if I'm watching a game, I don't want to see two of their best games. Cause of course that's going to uh, curve the overall grade for the player. Um, for a guy like Sage Surratt, almost all of his best film was in 2019. So that's, that's really the films I watch. Um, and in 2019, he was really, really well. But I believe it was either the 2018 or 2020 season. He had a very, very poor game uh, that I watched that really just overall kind of ruined <laughs> uh, him for me. I think that his high school career, they mentioned the Jive Network, was fantastic. He's six foot, two, uh, six foot three, I believe, uh, 215 pounds, very physical uh, wide receiver at the next level. I think that his biggest question is creating separation kind of similar to an Auden Tate type player for those who don't maybe remember him. Uh, Auden Tate was drafted by the Bengals. That's, that's of course, the guy I'm going to kind of draw connections <laughs> to. Tate's a lot bigger, though, uh, and can honestly be a tight end at the next level with, with his size. Um, unfortunately for Sage, he doesn't really have that capability. And another big issue is, like, like I said earlier, he's, he's not the fastest guy in the world. He's not going to test. I believe he tested very, very poorly. His RAS, RAS score was very low. And it's what I expected from him. He is not the most athletic guy in the world. Uh, he's a pretty technical guy, though. I think when it comes to physicality and being able to make room and contested catches, he can be very good at the next level. But the, the separation and the ability to run routes at a limit level was just not there for me. And so it's a big reason why I was a little bit lower on him than a lot of other guys. This wide receiver core is also very, very stacked. So I could see Sage Surratt going around six and set or seven and still being a regular occurring member on a team uh, just because of the talent level of all the wide receivers overall in this draft class it's insane yeah i was about to say i keep going through this and i keep seeing wide receiver wide receiver wide receiver wide receiver over and over and over and over and over again on this list like there's so many wide receivers in here that's just a bad break to be a wide receiver in this year's class unless you're one of the best ones yeah, it's bigger than why guys like Chris Olave went back into the college this year. Uh, Chris Olave, of course, wide receiver from Ohio State, a guy that I was 
if you remember the couple pot several podcasts ago, yeah, I, I was very, very high on early on in the process. My favorite wide receiver in the draft class. I was really hoping for Panay Sewell and then Chris Olave round two uh, as a Bengals fan. And Olave ended up going back to school. He, you know, of course, he's going to say, you know, because of he wants to join back with his, you know, Ohio State teammates and everything like that. The, you know, the general answer that he gives people usually. But in, in my eyes, I think the bigger season rise because it was such a stat class this year. Several guys, I think 10 to 12 players can be drafted between round one and round two this this year. And if Olave is going to have a stock hurt a little bit with that, it might have been the smart move to go back to school. I think that he's going to be a first round pick next year for sure. All right. What can you tell me about Carlos Basham Jr.? Yeah, Carlos Basham. I have a first-round grade on Carlos Basham, actually. He might be a little bit wow. lower than a lot of other boards. Uh, from Wake Forest, a very, very physical edge rusher. Uh, I love his athleticism, being able to be very versatile. He can play in, he can play in the interior. He can play on the exterior. Uh, I think at the best case, next level, he's going to be a 4-3 defensive end. Um, gives me a lot of Carlos Dunlap vibes to a certain extent. doesn't have the length of Carlos Dunlap. And I hate to go keep going back to, to uh, Bengals players, but it's just normally what I'm most used to whenever I'm scouting. I just go back to players I've watched the most film on, and that's, you know, of course, guys like Carlos Dunlap. Um, but, you know, coming off the edge on a 4-3, uh, I think it's where he's going to be best next level, but can also kind of sit inside uh, if you wanted to play that three-type position. Uh, I watched him during the Senior Bowl, at th- you know, playing inside. He really beat a lot of offensive guards and centers. Um, and according to a lot of different sources connected to the NFL draft, uh, Carlos Basham is expected to rise up the boards a lot quicker. Um, actually, they think that Carlos Bastian is going to be over Gregory Rousseau by the draft, by the time the draft rolls around. So he's going to be a guy that kind of rises up the board. So I think pretty fast. Might be drafted later in the first round in my eyes. So uh, I think I think Bastian's a good developmental uh, edge rusher. I think he has some, you know, he still has some certain technique to iron out, but I think he has a lot more technique already than guys like Gregory Rousseau. And once he's able to combine that with his insane athleticism and strength, I think he can make a really, really good edge rusher next level. He can be a high-level uh, pass, pass rusher for sure. I established this last week. Everyone is making a mistake by passing on Gregory Rousseau. That man is going to be a star in the NFL, or he won't. And I just will forget about it. But <laughs> he's going to be a star, and everyone's making a mistake passing on him for Carlos Basham from Wake Forest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I like Gregory Rousseau, too. Um, I believe Basham might be like two or three spots ahead of Rousseau. But honestly, Rousseau is, has one of the – probably – Actually, I think it's back. He probably has the highest ceiling out of any edge rusher in this class. If there's a guy, I, if, if there's betting odds for who's going to be the best edge rusher in this class, I think Gregory Rousseau is probably going to be in the top three, maybe even top two. But at the same time, if he is not the best, he might be one of the worst. So it's a, it's a big problem right now. He is not um, – the most technically gifted player. Uh, and I've seen a lot of people say that he might take a year or two, maybe even two years before he can ever make any noise in the NFL at the next level. He might be a very, very late riser, um, you know, through, through the draft ranks or, or through the NFL. Um, and, and, I, and I think the biggest problem with that is, you know, if he's not, if he's giving two years and he's not getting any sacks, but teams are going to get very, very uh, impatient and they're probably going to bury him in the depth chart. I think it's a big risk uh, for many teams. If you're drafting a guy like Greg Rousseau, I think it should be a team that's ready to win now. Think of a team like the Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Kansas City Chiefs who already have good edge rushers. 
But once they move on, you know, Phil and Greg Rousseau at that spot, let him work. Develop, now he's learned a lot of technique behind guys like um, Shaquille Barrett, maybe, or Frank Clark. Uh, once he's able to actually learn the technique and skills behind it, he can become an elite edge rusher at the next level. He has so much potential uh, ready there for him. He has all the strength, all the athleticism in the world. He just needs to – also has a lot of versatility, similar to Carlos Bastian. He can move inside, play the three-tech during the pass rushing downs. Uh, has potential in stopping the run as well. Uh, he's got all the tools necessary. He just needs to add the technique next to it. So um, when it comes to intangibles, he's one of the best, but needs to add the technical skills to the game to be an elite edge rusher at the next level. And that's why I'd say I have a little bit lower of a grade on him than I do guys at College Bastion. I know that this is one of your favorites from the college football season, but where does Seth Williams rank on your wide receiver rankings, the, the big old wide receiver from Auburn? Yeah, I, I was. I believe it was the week that Auburn, Auburn beat Kentucky week one. Uh, Seth Williams shocked me. Uh, if, for those who don't know, Kelvin Joseph, the cornerback from Kentucky, was such a highly rated prospect. And I believe he sits really high on my draft board as well, sitting 55 overall, Kelvin Joseph. Um, Seth Williams just destroyed him one-on-one, just completely just outplayed him uh, altogether. I, I think my, my biggest issue with Seth William, Williams is the fact that he never really had a elite um, – quarterback at the next level um i think that despite the potential um i'm blanking on his name bo nix uh showed i think that uh you know he struggled a lot he had some times where he was very inaccurate didn't get Seth williams many chances um but though he's a lot slower not nearly as athletic as guys like aj green were um you could see where he could be that kind of guy for a certain team uh at, at the next level he's a sense at 119 on my board overall I'm not entirely sure what he is on my wide receiver rankings, um, but I would say it's probably around the 17-18 range uh, at wide receiver. Um, 77.5 grade. It's a fourth-round grade for me. Uh, I could see a team drafting him in, in the third round. I would still like the pick pretty well. Um, I have him graded higher than a couple of other really good wide receivers you might have heard of. Um, guys like Chitari's Atwell, 2-2 Atwell. Um, mm-hmm. Shai Smith, Jalen Darden, a couple of guys that I'm very, very high on that I have to believe I'm still graded higher. Uh, I think he is another guy that has a lot of potential. Um, if he can can hopefully build some more long speed, be able to have more stamina, uh, I think NFL team strength and conditioning could do a lot of work for him. Uh, and if he can continue to build his, his frame and continue to use his physicality and does a catch really, really well, uh, I think he can become a very, very good uh, wide receiver at the next level. He kind of gives me a, a more vibes of, say, Surratt, kind of a similar player, except I think he has a you know better separation abilities. I think he has better route running abilities. I think that Overall, he has almost every single category just better game um, altogether. And I think a big reason why he was not having very much success outside of the Kentucky game was due to Bo Nix's failure as a quarterback. So uh, once I factored that in, he ended up being a lot higher for me. Um, but just didn't have the um, – I don't really know if I'm going to call it production. Just didn't have the uh, complete game skill set to really put him any higher. Uh, in my eyes, I thought that he could have been a very, very big riser. He could end up, end up, ended up being a second-round grade for me. Uh, but he just didn't have it all put together just due to, I think, the failure of the quarterback. Someone going to take a sixth quarterback in the first round. I know we we want to avoid the quarterback talk if this is the route to go down and use your expertise. But is someone going to take the sixth quarterback? You know, in, in my eyes, I, I don't see it happening. Um, I, it would shock me. Uh, there's a lot of guys I like uh, in this draft uh, at quarterback, but there's no guy I love uh, for sure. Uh, my highest rated quarterback, I believe, is Davis Mills. Uh, let me check real quick. I think it is. 
Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Davis knows he sits at 180 overall on my board, which is very low, but granted, I have not factored in my value charts yet. So once you factor that in, he might be a lot higher. Um, this is based mm-hmm. off a of pure film grid, of course. So he's going to be a little bit lower. Uh, usually, but you know, I would probably bump up to about a third round grade, I'd say, uh, at the next level. If a team wants to take a risk on him in the round one, um, sure, do it. I wouldn't love it at all, but uh, it's not a prospect I for sure wouldn't mind. Uh, you know, being drafted maybe round three, round two. Uh, I just don't think it's worth the risk to take round one. There's so many better prospects available at that point. Yeah, and everyone's got a need other than quarterback, except for the teams that we know are picking quarterbacks at this point at the very top. No one really needs a backup quarterback at this point because you can always go find a Matt Barkley somewhere in free agency, even if you're looking for something. I could see Davis Mills, Kyle Trask, and um, uh, Kellen Mond, Kellen Mond. Uh, three next top yep. quarterbacks being uh, kind of similar to what we saw last year in Jake, Jacob Fromm. Uh, Jacob Eason, excuse me, and Jake Fromm, guys that, you know, had a lot of expectations to go round two, maybe even late round one, ended up falling a little bit. But I think it's still be quality backups to the next level if they're used correctly. So this is kind of like going off direction here, off kilter. But other than like Miami, Arizona, and Pittsburgh, who else even needs a running back at this point? Because I'm trying to think around. I'm like, maybe like the Eagles are going through the rebuild or something like that. Like maybe – Washington, but they just got Antonio Gibson last year. Like, I don't even know. Like, there's a lot of running backs, but I don't know who else needs, like, a running back at this point. You know, Arizona added James Conner in the offseason, but I would definitely still consider them uh, in the the running back market. Um, I think adding Conner was definitely a huge addition for them, and I think they really needed him, uh, to be honest with you. But I also think at the same time, he's a very, very injury-prone player and has not been able to put together a full season in quite a while. Uh, you have Chase Edmonds as your backup. I don't know how well he would be as a starter at the next level. So if you wanted to add a guy in the later rounds, maybe Chuba Hubbard's a guy I talked about earlier, Kylan Hill from Texas A&M. Um, some pretty good round three, four running backs I think can be really, really good additions for them. Um, what if they go the Najee Harris route? What if they just go and figure the position out at the top of the draft? I mean, it would be certainly a pick that I would be okay with. I love Najee Harris. I have a very high grade on him. He is... I can find it. Um, let's see. He is 21st on my overall board with a 90.6 grade uh, right now. So when it comes to a straight up prospect, he is fantastic. Uh, 21st on my board is, of course, you know, very, very high. But once you look, consider it to be a running back, it kind of drops the value quite a bit. Uh, but still, if you're going to get the best player available at that point, you're still going to take a guy like Najee Harris. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, so I'm not going to blame you or, or knock your points out due to that. But at that point, it kind of confuses me on why, why you would sign a guy like James Conner. Are you wanting to put Najee Harris as a you know a developmental running back at the next level? I don't think he deserves to be. Well, also, <laughs> I think the explanation on that is, one, James Conner's money isn't totally guaranteed, so they can cut him out of camp. And two... They have currently no running backs under contract packs next season. Correct. And that's, that's a great point. Uh, I totally understand that. I, I just, I think that if, if I'm signing James Conner, I, I think it's, you know, you're going into the, the season, I think expecting him to be a vital member of your team. And, you know, in my eyes, I think there's, there's needs elsewhere for the Cardinals, particularly at cornerback, which they need desperately, that I think you probably need to solve instead because you know you lose Patrick Peterson uh, this offseason. You probably want to add a try to you want to try to replace him as, as good as possible. You also don't really have any have 
any good cornerback twos on your draft class. Or, or hey, any... yeah, you've got Robert Alford, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure, <laughs> but <you> know, <laughs> if, if there's a, if there's a guy like J.C. Horn or Caleb Farley that's available at 16, I think you need to pounce on that in my eyes. It's gonna be a much better pick. But you know, I'm not gonna take him out of the running back market yet. I think Najee Harris is certainly a possibility. I think best case for the Cardinals, though, in my eyes, would be cornerback round one. Um, maybe even got Greg Newsom goes that goes a little higher than what we expect and take goes at 16. I still think that would be a better pick uh, than Najee Harris. And then you probably go with a Kylan Hill, maybe even Javante Williams round two, I think would be another value pick I like a lot uh, if he can fall to the Cardinals pick there in round two. So I think there's plenty of prospects you can go later on in the rounds that could have just as much of an impact and can develop behind a guy like James Conner. Well, who do you, who else do you think could be a running back market other than like Pittsburgh and Miami? Like, is it the Jets? Is it the Bears? Is it the 49ers? Is it the Rams? Like, I, I see all these good running backs, but it's not like last year where I kind of know teams that need a running back, um, like the Colts, for example, Jonathan Taylor, perfect sense. Chiefs, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, perfect sense. I, I don't know if I see those teams this year that are like, yes, running back 100%, which I guess the Packers weren't that last year with A.J. Dillon, and they took a running back, but time will tell if that pick looks pretty nice. A.J. Dillon did have 120 rushing yards in a game against the Titans, though. Yeah, I, I think there are many teams who are completely out on the running back market. Teams like the Packers are stacked at running back. They don't need to add another guy uh, this year. Well, I still, I still don't understand why they brought back Aaron Jones if they were going to draft A.J. Dillon. It's like the report that there was a leak that they have a trade in place for, for Jordan Love and uh, depends on how the draft falls. It's like, oh, so you guys just totally bailed on your plan after one year. <laughs> yeah. I think they just didn't realize Aaron Rodgers to be as an elite of a quarterback. But the Aaron Jones one doesn't make sense because it's like, I thought the whole point of drafting A.J. Dillon was because you were going to lose Aaron Jones. And, and, and that, that definitely does make sense. I think with Aaron Jones, I believe it's a one-year deal. Could be, maybe, maybe it's more no, no, it's a four-year, $48 million contract. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm assuming Aaron Jones didn't have a huge market and he wanted to, uh, you know, earn a lot of money, of course. And so they probably agreed to give him uh, a pretty decent contract just out of uh, respect, I guess. Well, I thought he was already, like, chilling down in South Beach. Like, I thought he was going to be a Dolphin as soon as free agency opened. And then I got the news. I was like, oh, my God, that is shocking that they paid that much for him. You know what? I totally agree. I thought he was going to be a Dolphin through and through. Was shocked to see he was not a Miami Dolphin. I really expected him to be. Um, I think that the I, I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but I think the deciding factor was the fact that you know Miami was going towards um, some of the bigger names at wide receiver. Will Fuller is uh, a guy in particular that they were looking at instead. I think they wanted to add more wide receiver weapons. I definitely think they're going to look towards a draft at a running back. And, and to go back to the point you said earlier, I think guys, I think teams like the Patriots, uh, the Jets are going to be teams that can look to add a running back maybe later on uh, in the draft as well. I think it's like seven or eight teams that can see realistically adding a backup. I would even throw the Bengals into that mix as well. Losing Giovanni Bernard this offseason, they went to the Buccaneers, of course. Need to add a backup to ho- hopefully back up Joe Mixon as well. Um, there can be there can be like several teams that could take I could see taking a flyer on a on a running back later on or maybe do the Bengals do the Bengals still have one of the P Ryan brothers I don't know which one it is but it's one of the P Ryan brothers yeah Samaje P Ryan is uh is the uh, is playing for the Bengals right now I believe Lamical P Ryan plays for the Jets uh, yeah he currently I think he's is the better one. 
Lamico is younger and he had a pretty good season last year. Smosley is mainly a special teamer for the Bengals, but he will be slated to be the running back too if they don't add another guy this offseason. So I definitely think that the Bengals might want to look to add another guy. Uh, at the same time, though, I don't think they're desperate uh, enough to add one. They have so many needs elsewhere, especially in the offensive line and wide receiver core, of course, uh, we know. But uh, I think that if, if the value matches there, I think they're definitely going to look towards round four or five to add a guy like Trey Sermon maybe from Ohio State or someone else. Oh, that would be good because I know, like, Ohio State, they kind of rep the Bengals because it's, like, the closest team. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of different Bengals that already play for, uh, you know, that have played for Ohio State in the past, of course. Um, I was laughing at that. I haven't gotten to talk to you about that funny photo of the Bengals with um, the, the, the New Jersey reveals, and then they had, like, Sam Hubbard in the photo, and it was really weird that Sam Hubbard made it to the team photo unveiling the new uniforms. Also, they sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just gonna make another joke that Joe Mixon, how, how much was Joe Mixon adamant that he gets the chair? Like, <laughs> he gets the chair in the center of the photo and not Joe Burrow. I found that funny that he's like, nah, I'm getting the chair. And Joe Burrow was just nice enough to be like, yeah, sure. But the, the camera people are like, are you sure? You sure, with Joe? Joe, and you don't you don't want to sit in the middle? Okay, that's that's fine, I suppose. Joe, you get you get Nixon gets the chair, so be it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's a great point that you, that you bring up. But if you if you're for Bengals fans, like p- people who love the Bengals and, and listen to them uh, or watch them on a daily basis, it it just feels so accurate that Joe Mixon would be the one in the chair. Because when you when you think of like the most animated player on the team right now, I would say everyone would immediately go to Joe Mixon and kind of similar to, you know, Chad Johnson of past Bengals ages, you know, being that guy who is just so animated, even though players such as Andrew Whitworth were some were like some of the better unsung heroes. I think this is a similar case. I think Joe Mixon is a guy that everyone loves and already thinks of as one of the best players on the team. But of course, because like Joe Burrow tend to be a little bit quieter. Uh, And I think it's accurate that the louder player, the the more, you know, fun one to listen to and and pay attention to is is the guy sitting in the chair and being the goofball that he is. Uh, I love that. But, you know, to go back to the same Hubbard point, I think it is pretty funny. Um, he's not the best defensive end by any means. <laughs> and I think that it is pretty ironic that he was already put uh, on the uh, Bengals jersey. Uh, I guess the, I, the top seven players is what they really had out there uh, on the team. Um, I, I saw your meme and it blew up all over Bengals Twitter as well. Everyone was trying to hate on you. <laughs> yeah, I did love that. That got so many comments. And I'm like, look at the comment. Not a single person got it right. Because at the yeah. very least, they thought they knew all seven. And then they called Sam Hubbard Trey, Trey Henderson. Henderson. Yep, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. Uh, it's, it's pretty funny. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know... It, Honestly, it's understandable. Hubbard has not been by any means the best defensive end. He's more of a run stopper, if anything, and he has been hurt for a lot of his of his career as well. I think the biggest reason why he was a part of it was because Cincinnati didn't want to incorporate any of their new free agents or uh, guys who haven't played yet, like Trey Waynes yet. Uh, I, I would have thought that it made more sense to go with a guy like Von Bell, uh, maybe instead, who's a you know a much better, well known name, especially for his hit on the Steelers. But I, I also think that they really love Sam Hubbard, and I. Think a sneaky reason why they might have wanted to do that with him is because it is a contract season for him and Bates, um, pleasing him and letting him know that they're you know one of the more prized members of the Bengals. Maybe want makes them want to return a little bit more. Uh, so maybe it's a little bit of game mixed in there. We'll have to see. Uh, but I, I definitely think that you know when when you look at the top seven players, I don't think Sam Hubbard would have been on my list, but he's definitely I guess I guess on the Bengals. So I also made the joke as I was going through that. I made the Hubbard joke. I made the Joe Mixon joke. 
the, you can only name two or three players. I was also saying Jesse Bates made a second team all pro last year. I know he's one of the people in the photo. <laughs> I just don't know which one he is in the photo. <laughs> Listen, I, I love Jesse Bates. And, and for me, I, that's something I don't understand because I've, you know, I know his face like the back of my hand. <laughs> uh, so I'm so used to him, but uh, no, I, I can understand why, you know, cause Jesse Bates was, Similar to uh, Justin Simmons for the Broncos, you know, if you if you showed me him right now, I probably wouldn't recognize him as much. So I can, I can see the reason why uh, you would you would have um, can, you know some confusion with Jesse Bates. He's a, a very recent riser. You know, this was his big year this year. No one really had him as a top ten safety until this year, and as a top five safety. So um, maybe next year, if he continues to continues to make highlight plays and, and do really great, uh, and maybe if the Bengals have more success, I think that he will probably have his face shown a lot more. Maybe more people will know what he looks like. In the future. Well, Justin Simmons is a perfect comp because Justin Simmons has made back-to-back all-pro teams, I'm pretty sure, and he keeps getting franchise tagged, but that's the only time I hear Justin Simmons' name when the franchise tag deadline has come up. Yeah, the only time I think or hear about him. We're going to be in that problem next year, too. You might get franchise tagged again, for all we know, because he's he's playing so elite, and he wants big money, and the Broncos are just not willing to pay it to him. And they're That keeping- would be so dumb. That would be so dumb if they franchise tagged him again, because that would be the equivalent of, like, three years and $42 million, but you could have signed him for three years and $36 million, like, two off-seasons ago. And I think the big issue is next year, Bradley Chubb's a free agent. So are you going to try to sign both of them? Or well, just- the, the, the thing I've said with the Broncos is just every, there is zero chance Vic Fangio keeps his job next year. Like they are very clearly about to clear house. Because I look at them and I'm like, dude, you're going to go like 4-12, and 12, I think. I think they are like far and away the worst team in the AFC Ooh. or in the, the AFC West. And that kind of sucks because this was supposed to be their big year. So I, I genuinely don't see any way that they're going to be good next year. You know, I'll defend the Broncos here. I think when you look at everything outside of the quarterback position, they aren't bad at all. They have a. <laughs> we talked about this yesterday with Canadian Cutler. We said they don't have any holes on the team. They just lack talent at the positions that yeah. they have the holes. <laughs> that, that is very true. I, you know, they had, they signed Ronald Darby and Kyle Fuller at cornerback. I think it's two very, very good cornerbacks. And they have a pretty solid offensive line. Um, the wide receiver core, Jerry, Judy, KJ, Hamler, Cortland, Sutton, nothing too crazy. But, it's, it, again, it, that is definitely some three capable wide receivers next to uh, – Not really to mention, I, I was about to say, Noah Fance might be their best receiver. Yeah, very, very good point. Noah Fan as well. And plus the Albert Albert O is what I called him from Missouri, who was drafted last year as well. A very, very athletic and talented tight end if he could stay healthy. Um, their offense is all together pretty pretty well put together uh, when you factor in Melvin Gordon as well to that squad. I think the biggest issue is, you know, can Drew Locke continue to keep his uh, talent with him? I don't know if that's the case. Uh, this is definitely his make-or-break year, and it might be even a case where he doesn't even have a chance this year if the Broncos decide to move up and take a quarterback, which I think is still in the possibility uh, range. I, I have heard that they are, um, you know, trying to make offers towards the Falcons and move up to four. Um, definitely looking to play in the Justin Fields or Trey Lance if possible. And I would love that for Denver if they can get one of those guys. I think that would be a huge for their for their team, uh, for sure. When you look on the defensive side of that team, you know, of course, Justin Simmons is a great safety, really helps anchor down that safety group. I already mentioned Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby, who I think are going to be very, very good corners at the next level. Um, 
defensive line is okay. Uh, nothing too special. They have Shelby Harris returning, which I think was huge for them. Uh, of course, Bradley Chubb and uh, and um, Von Miller are going to be two great edge rushers that are going to continue to dominate as long as you know Von Miller continues to stay on the path he was before he had the injuries. Um, inside linebacking core, I think it's a bit pretty big issue Josie Jewell I think is the main guy back there they're gonna want to add another guy probably got like Michael Parsons or uh Jeremiah Usukoromoa I think are two very very likely first round picks if they do if they decide to go to not go uh look for a quarterback um but you know it's a it's a okay I, I like what I like what you described it as it's a pretty complete team but you just you don't have the superstar potential really outside of you know you you have you know you're assuming Va, you know Von Miller is going to fall off a little bit because you know he, yeah. he, he was already he was already showing some of those signs pre-injury exactly exactly and, and Bradley Chubb is, has played well but he's, he hasn't really been a superstar level player yet so when you when you really look at the team in total it's, it Justin Simmons feels like by far the best player on the team and outside of that you have a couple of really good players Noah Fant Jerry Judy Cortland Sutton uh Vaughn Miller Bradley Chubb but none of them are, are you know going to be pro bowl level players anymore so you're gonna have to find a couple more of those guys more of those guys to really reach the next level but I will say I do think they're better than the Raiders I don't want to. I don't want um, to say they're the worst team yet because the Raiders lost their entire offensive line this year, which is really the only reason why they were good last year, because <laughs> they had such a great offensive line for Derek Carr. Um, and, and I think that you know once you take that away, uh, it might be a bit of a struggle for Carr and uh, Josh Jacobs to really adjust to that. So uh, I think you know we're we're probably going to be seeing the Raiders maybe go four and twelve instead. I can see the Broncos looking towards well, I guess four and thirteen or five and twelve. I'd say probably be a more accurate record. I think we're looking at the Broncos looking towards maybe a seven and ten, maybe eight and nine season. They're they're going to be pretty mediocre in my eyes. Yeah, I don't know. I guess those are pretty interchangeable at this point, but not just Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs. It's also Kenyon Drake now for some godforsaken reason. <laughs> that was a terrible – I don't understand what they – it makes no sense out of all the players you would sign. You're just – I mean, you're, you're putting all your chips in the, in the Josh Jacobs basket and then you turn around and sign another starting worthy running back just because. Just it's, it's my favorite Santa Gruden joke. It's Santa Gruden – we're going to go and establish the run for fun. They're just going to keep establish the run, power running game, power running game. I'll tell you what, man, can never have too many good running backs, man. We're going to have a power running game. Power run with this in the first round pick, man. I mean, traded a uh, trader. What's his name? Uh, uh, no. Khalil Mack? Was it Khalil oh. Mack? No. The, the Khalil <laughs> Mack trade. Khalil Mack, and we got Josh Jacobs with that draft pick. I mean, come on, man. How can we possibly lose? Get back that Jonathan Abram guy. Just see how great he was. Wow, in that pre that uh, that Listen. rookie year. <laughs> I think the most I think the most ironic part of all of this is the fact that you traded Lynn Bowden, who was a receiving running back, wide receiver guy out of the backfield that can easily be a great compliment to Josh Jacobs. You don't even give him a chance to play in a real game. You trade him immediately to the Dolphins. He ends up becoming a pretty, you know, not he's not anything special, but he's an impact player. He plays for the Dolphins. And then you turn around and sign basically the same guy who's just better and older. I mean, it makes it makes no sense why you would just choose to have the better player now, especially whenever you're a team who's not ready to win now. It it, it makes no sense. You're running into yourself into the ground here. It just it, I think it hurts you more than it helps you. You're just well, you also know. they have no linebackers. They have very minimal corners. Yep. Abram's going to help with the safety position. What do they do this offseason? They signed Yannick and Gakwe on defense. That's that's about it, honestly. And and even then, they have no depth off the edge outside of Ngakwe and Max Crosby. Uh, you know, you, you lose more. Oh, so are, are you giving up on are you giving up on Cleveland Furl or are they moving into the inside rush? 
I'm, I'm assuming he's going to go inside after this, uh, especially after okay. after releasing Mo Hurst uh, this offseason, who was a, a, a defensive tackle that had a very, very good rookie season, had dealt with injuries. I still liked him a lot. I thought it was a really, you know, head scratcher to release him. Also released Arden Key, uh, the edge rusher from LSU a couple of years back, who I was pretty high on as well. Um, two guys I think were both developmental players, and they just didn't want to develop him anymore. So, uh, you know, they go, they both go to San Francisco. Uh if you didn't already know that, Mo Hurst went to San Francisco about an hour or two ago. Uh, so uh, I think you're going to do. I think they can really show improvement down there at a place where you know they've had a history of developing same, uh, great edge rushers and defensive tackles. So, um, but I, I think that uh, you know overall their defensive line is terrible uh, whenever you combine it all. But just no depth. You know you have you have Farrell, you have Crosby, you have. Um, uh, of course, Bakway. Yeah, uh, the big question is who's going to be after that. If you have any injuries on your team, you know who's going to replace them. I think it's the big question mark right now uh, that I, I at least see on this team because I think you need a, a good third edge rusher for me to be confident. You can put probably put Farrell as a third edge rusher, but who's going to be your interior rusher if you have no one? It's going to be pointless to have three edge rushers. Yeah, actually, now that I think about it, the Raiders might be down here. I want to play this game now with players the Raiders could have had at pick number four. But for some reason, they took Cleland Furl, who was like a mid-first round pick, like would have gone like 13 or 14 in the draft. It was one of the most shocking drafts. Did you remember I had mocked that? Yeah. I mean, I kind of do. I had followed you at the time, but we weren't doing podcasts at that point. So I I kind of remember that because it was either like Josh Allen or I don't know. It was, I guess, Ed Oliver was one of the names or people thought they might trade down or draft like a corner or something like there there weren't that many people out there yeah i forget the exact uh let's see what draft was that that was that was 2019 so, so two years ago Tyler murray right so it, that goes kind of murray it went murray bosa williams we kind of all knew that was gonna happen yes and Quinn Williams had a very high grade on my board. I have Quinn Williams. I had Quinn Williams graded higher. Than I have Trevor Lawrence graded higher than I, than I have Trevor Lawrence graded right now, which I think is pretty hilarious when you think about it. Because I well, Quinn Williams, Williams, Quinn Williams has been awesome at times. Yeah, but I mean, to have, for me to have him greater than Trevor Lawrence said a lot about how high I was on him. Uh, I also had tra- I also had Chase Young graded higher than Lawrence though, so you know I, I can't say too much, I guess. But uh, I, I think that. Uh, I think that when you let's see, what was it? okay when when you look at the when you look at the Raiders pick, I, I think Quinn or Quayle and Farrell made a lot of sense because it was such a great scheme fit. Uh, I remember whenever we talked about whenever we last talked about this, uh, I remember I said Quayle and Farrell is just a definition of a Gruden grinder, and I love to say that because he is, he is that is exactly what I think of whenever I think of Quayle and Farrell. Well, this is this, you you've led right into my point because this is the problem with drafting Gruden grinders is that you pass on. Devin White at pick five. You pass on the guy who should have been this pick, Josh Allen at right. seven, the linebacker Josh Allen, not the quarterback Josh Allen. The better who, Josh. I'm joking. He's made a Pro Bowl. Has the other Josh Allen made a Pro Bowl? He probably did last year, but this guy's made a Pro Bowl. Um, <laughs> so that Josh Allen. TJ Hawkinson went at eight. Yeah, um, yeah probably well. wouldn't have taken him, but – yeah. Higher graded prospect. Uh, 10 pick was Devin Bush. Yep. Whoops. Um, 12 pick was Rashawn Gary. I guess you could say they're pretty comparable, I guess. You're, you're going to skip over Jonah Williams? I think that'd been a good pick, too, to be honest. Uh, no, no. You need, sorry. Tackle? you need tackle? 
they didn't at the time, though. I guess they didn't need an interior linebacker. They just signed Corey Littleton, but I guess that blew up in their face. Did did they have – we'll see. Did they have Trent Brown then? They did not have Trent Brown. They had Colton Miller was just drafted. So he was still just coming off his rookie year. They had – was it – who was the guy who went to the Saints? There was a really good tackle that they used to have. He was there for a long time. Uh, was it? Oh, 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 uh, oh my gosh! I know you. Don't, I know you're talking about. Yeah, he's old. He was, right, very old. Yeah, he was there for a long time. He was a long time Raider tackle. I, I know exactly who you're talking about, and I no. Uh, uh, no, this no. Is back when back when Marshawn Lynch was there. Yeah, um, I'm going to look it up and I'm going to know the name as soon as I see it. Yeah, I, I know who I, I know who it is. I think he's uh, like 38, 39 now. He's up there in age. Yeah, um, and then they had, of course, Assembly, Hudson, Jackson, the guys who all just got cut. Um, Donald Penn, Donald yeah, Penn. Exactly, That's a, I, I knew exactly who that was. Yeah, uh, it kills me. Yeah, that makes sense. So maybe, maybe you're right. Yeah, so they, they I just remember they had really good offensive lines the year that Derek Carr almost won MVP before shattering his leg, and then Connor Cook started in a playoff game. Yeah. Uh, oh, Connor Cook will just be remembered as the guy wanted to trade up for, but they wouldn't let him, and then they picked Dak Prescott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, very true. But uh, yeah, but he started a playoff game. <laughs> hey, it worked. It worked. <laughs> it, I yeah. did it. I guess. For the Cowboys. Yeah. Cowboys. Oh, yeah, for the Cowboys, of course. They also had a deal in place to trade up for Paxton Lynch. <laughs> yeah. They just bailed on it. <laughs> and, and you know what? I, I watched Dak Prescott play live, and, man, I, I I don't know how you could look at him and compare him against a Connor Cook and Paxton Lynch. And, uh, okay. Huh, doesn't that sound familiar to something this year? Cough, cough, Matt Jones, cough, cough, Justin. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, you're right. Honestly, I mean, how, how can you look at those two players and think I, – I should t- I should back off. I, I, I had Paxton Lynch graded higher that year, but I was also very, very early on my draft scouting process, so I really didn't know what I was yeah. doing. At some point, you become a you could become a victim to the the consensus. Like it's right. the same thing with Trevor Lawrence. Like everyone says Trevor Lawrence is a perfect prospect, but that's because we all know he's going to be the number one pick, and we've known he's going to be the number one pick for years. Like if we wanted to nitpick Trevor Lawrence's game, we can find stuff that's wrong with him. Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah, no, he's not a perfect prospect by any means. He, my, he's a, a, I believe an NFL scout actually said. Uh, I gotta find this quote that I know someone posted it, and I'm gonna look back on it and, and read this to you because um, a, a NFL scout himself was Trevor Lawrence is a really good player. This is what an NFC coordinator said. I don't know if he's a generational talent like people are saying. An AFC quarterbacks coach said, "If you didn't take him in your Jacksonville, and it turned out that he was a phenomenal Pro Bowler, then you'll never live it down." They had to take him. I think the intangibles are there. He can throw the ball, but he does not have unique, rare playmaking ability. If I'm comparing last year to this year, Joe Burrow, who was drafted first overall by the Bengals, of course, is picked over Trevor Lawrence a hundred times out of a hundred. So a lot of oh. lot of a lot of really you know well known scouts think that uh, um, Lawrence might not be as legit as people are claiming him to be. He is not the strongest prospect. But at the same time, this is the same case of Joe Burrow to Justin Herbert last year. This is the best player in the class. Everyone's been saying it. 
at this point, if you don't take him, your fans are gonna absolutely destroy you. You're not gonna have any fans. Well, they've already they've already given him the playbook. Like Urban right. Meyer took this job with the knowledge that he was getting Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. So I mean, it, it's a it. I think it's the case. I mean, it has to be the case. He has to be the pick. It's not okay. No, no, no. Yeah, they've they've already given him the playbook. That was a report last right. week that he's had the playbook for six weeks. And, like and I think also. Uh, I believe Urban Meyer also said that's the direction we are heading whenever they asked him if they were going to draft Trevor Lawrence number one overall. So. Of course, yeah, that was the whole point. They got to make a 30 for 30 on that tank for Trevor because there was like 30 minutes back when the, the, the magical Jets, Hail Mary, the, the Fail Mary, the Greg, Greg Williams game. Like there was just a magical 30 minutes. It was probably the most fun I've had all year. Like if watching the NFL, like, Minus like that epic Browns Ravens Monday night game, and even it's close to that. Was that magical thirty minutes where the Jets had zero wins, the Jags had the one magical game where Gardner Minshew completed ninety five percent of his passes against the Colts, and they were both at the same time because people forget that the Jets game against the Raiders was supposed to be a Jets win, but at the exact same time, the Jaguars were in overtime against the Vikings. So they were about to get bailed out. The Jets for winning that game were about to get bailed out and still get Trevor Lawrence. And then the fail, you know, deep ball to Henry Ruggs happened. Like one of the most magical 30 minutes of football I experienced last year was that fight for Trevor Lawrence. They got to make a documentary on just that 30 minutes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean it's it's wild, but uh, I I think that uh, it, it's it is fascinating. It's kind of kind of crazy how it did happen. I mean, if if Trevor Lawrence ends up being the elite prospect he is, and Zach Wilson doesn't pan out, man, it's going to be such a great great history. Um, Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.